welcome to On Trial, starring Mark Radlich, also starring Sean Comer. Hope you're ready, Hollywood, because you're On Trial. All rise. Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Fudge presiding. This is On Trial, brought to you by the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network, uh, affiliate of W2M, as we all know. And tonight, I am your prosecuting attorney, Mr. Mark Rattledge, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified. And on the docket for prosecution tonight, Top Gun, 1986, I believe is the year. Uh, Top Gun 1986, yes, starring Tom Cruise, um, Val Kilmer, Kelly McGinnis and her teeth, Anthony Edwards, Tom Skerritt, among others. And joining me to defend this uh, classic cinema is uh, the aviator himself, the man of a thousand planes, the flyman, the maverick, the goose, David Wright. How do you do, sir? My ego's writing checks my body can't cash. You are dangerous. <laughs> you can be my wingman anytime. Oh, thank you, Dave. I am the danger zone, as, as I've been told. Yeah, what so, do you, Mark, would you say that we are heading into a zone of danger? <laughs> oh, so, oh, there's a highway straight to the danger zone. Dave, um, you have been, first of all, we plan to do this as soon as they announced Top Gun Maverick. And then Top Gun Maverick uh, was in a competition with Morbius to see how many times it could be delayed. And so you have been waiting and waiting and waiting, 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 waiting to talk about Top Gun. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your like your history with aviation and why Top Gun uh, speaks to you and why this was like a sort of a, a passion project for you to defend this movie tonight? Uh, yeah, so you you mostly know me as as the sci fi guy or the anime guy. Mm -hmm. And the English stuff guy, I guess I, I wear that hat too. But <laughs> you're you're Canadian, therefore English. Yeah, yeah, but but what? Yeah, what, the other big passion of my life, other than science fiction, would have to be aviation. I got the bug when I was a kid, and I've just, you know, mm. kept with it all my life. I did air cadets when I was uh, in my teenage years, which is mm -hmm. for those of you that don't know, basically like Boy Scouts, but with sort of the help of the Air Force. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like I, I wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was a kid. Unfortunately, my my eyes weren't up to the vision standards for the Air Force, so. That didn't happen, so I've I've had to just be a, a watcher from afar, becoming a you know armchair expert, I guess. Okay, you could say emphasis so, on armchair expert. So you're so you're big into uh, jets, you're big into aviation. Um, you say you're like an armchair expert and all of that. Big fan. Top Gun comes out. Um, how old are you when in 1986? Two. Wow. Okay. So I, I did not get to see it in theaters. I, I was clearly. busy working on other things at the time, like walking. Sure. Yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> My question to you, when did you see Top Gun? What, when, how'd you find it even? I, I don't think I can really pinpoint that. It's just kind of something that's always been there as far as I'd known. Like, it's mm -hmm. actually for the longest time, I never actually sat down and watched the movie. It was always something I would catch on TV and see. Mm -hmm. okay. bits of. When, when I was a kid, I actually got a lot more into Hot Shots because we had that on tape. And, you know, it's, it's a silly comedy, which when you're a kid is... Is a lot easier to watch mm -hmm. whereas yeah for 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 someone who's you know still a child top gun there there's a lot of boring bits in it 
if you're a kid. <laughs> oh God, we're going to talk about that. Yes, yes, we we will we will <laughs> we will get to that. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just it's it's always been sort of one of like if you are into fighter jets, mm-hmm. Top Gun is the movie. So like you're a little kid and you're you know and it comes on TV and you see this movie, you know these cool dudes flying you know fast jets and doing all kinds of cool aerial maneuvers. You're like, this is it. This is my movie. Kind of, yeah. I, I, okay. that, that is, I mean, Top Gun has become like the public image of what it is like to be a fighter pilot. Yeah. It's not um, an accurate image, but part <laughs> of it isn't cool. Okay. Um, as the years have gone on, um, has your opinion about the movie changed at all? Uh, is it Because, you know, we talked to, as you know, we talked to a lot of people in our little circle of podcast friends, and there are things that they hang on to from their childhood. And, you know, it's something that Robert and I, talk about lament complain about etc that um people look back you know on the things they watched as a child things they liked as a child with rose-colored glasses um you know nostalgia glasses and artificially inflate their artificially inflate the the value of said thing Mm -hmm. or you know how good it is and sometimes people mistake thing they liked for quality. Inflate the quality is probably the phrase I should have used. Yeah, um, it's really bad for those that time. get into anime. Like the anime <laughs> shows you, you start out liking when you come back a few years later. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, this, this actually wasn't that good. Right. You know, not. I don't want to go off topic, but like He-Man, you know, we all loved it as a kid. And then, you know, you look back on it as an adult. And for some people, it still stands up. But are, but are they are, have they glommed on to something that gave them joy as a child and they don't want to give that up? You know, or is it really not holding up? Yeah. Boy, <laughs> and, is this animation cheap? Yeah, things like that. So I am curious as, you know, as you become an adult, as you've watched the movie over and over, as you reflect on things and you learn about um, aircrafts, do you ever like look at the movie and have a vastly different viewing experience than you did years before? Uh, a little, a, a lot of it comes from again being actually. I wouldn't say expert. Let's go with armchair enthusiast. I think that's uh, a lot that's more fair. appropriate. Yeah, uh, yeah. The more I learn about how, as best I can tell, again, not not an actual fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. Air combat works, and the F fourteen itself and how those systems work the, the more you you start to notice the the, the inaccuracies and you're like well that wouldn't have been right that you know that's not how that works yeah uh, it's just little things like when goose is looking at the radar in the back it's doing a 360 degree sweep all mm-hmm. around the aircraft uh, that works for like the ships and on the ground but in a fighter the, the radar's in the nose so it only looks like 120 degrees in front of the plane just sweeping back and forth mm-hmm. so that's not realistic but again the public perception of what the radar looks like is that it doesn't ruin the movie, but you, you see it as like, well, that's that's not right. That's not the correct display. But then again, I, this is, this is, the movie was made back when the F-14 was still in service, so they probably didn't mm-hmm. want to show all the, the little <laughs> details to the Show the enemy that might be watching and say, yeah. oh, I don't know, Libya. Um, <laughs> yeah. How the, well, how, the, how the, the secret jets work. <laughs> yeah. Well, the enemy wouldn't even lend any of their aircraft for filming, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I like the MiG-28 does not exist. It's a T-38 trainer aircraft that's been painted mm-hmm. up to look vaguely Russian. But, <laughs> you know, that's that's what you got to do. All right. So let's talk about um, the notes for this. Uh, 
so the primary inspiration for the film was the article Top Guns by Yuid Yone from the May 1983 issue of California Magazine. Have you ever read it? Have you ever like gone to find it on Google and actually read the article that inspired this? Or you know no, it exists, but this this is my first time hearing about this actually. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, I've read this a, a few times in, in, as I was reading about the film. It featured aerial photography by then Lieutenant Commander Charles Heater Heatley. The article detailed the life of fighter pilots of Naval Air Station Maramar in San Diego, self-nicknamed as Fighter Town, USA. Numerous screenwriters allegedly turned down the project. Bruckheimer and Simpson went on to hire Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. to write and direct the first draft. The research message by Epps included attendance at several declassified Top Gun classes at Miramar and gaining experience by being flown in an F-14. The first draft failed to impress Bruckheimer and Simpson. And is considered to be very different from the final product in numerous ways. I'll bet. Tony Scott was hired on to direct on the strength of a commercial he had done for the Swedish automaker Saab in the nineteen in the early nineteen eighties, where a Saab nine hundred turbo was shown racing a Saab thirty seven Vegan fighter jet. Actor Matthew Modine turned down the role of Pete Mitchell. That went to Tom Cruise because he felt the film's pro military stance went against his politics. Makes sense. Julianne Phillips was in consideration for the role of Charlie and had been scheduled to perform a screen test opposite Tom Cruise. The producers wanted the assistance of U.S. Navy in production of the film. The Navy was influential in relation to the script approval, which resulted in changes being made. The opening dogfight was moved to the international waters as opposed to Cuba. The language was toned down, and a scene that involved a crash on the deck of an aircraft carrier was also scrapped. Maverick's love interest was also changed from a female enlisted member of the Navy to a civilian contractor with the Navy. Due to well, the that US makes it so much better. <laughs> um, yeah, really. Uh, to a civilian contractor with the Navy due to the U.S. military's prohibition of fraternization between officers and enlisted personnel. The Charlie character also replaced an aerobics instructor from an early draft as a love interest for Maverick after producers were introduced to Christine Legs Fox, a civilian mathematician employed by the Center for Naval Analysis as a specialist in maritime Wait, are you saying beautiful women can also be intelligent? Uh, not not a, that I've ever seen, but apparently this movie seems to think so. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. I kid. Developing tactics for aircraft ca carrier defense. Rear Admiral Pete Viper Pettigrew, a former Navy aviator, Vietnam War veteran, and Top Gun instructor, served as a technical advisor on, on the film. And also... Yeah, I think this call sign is now Diaper. <laughs> yeah. A, a funny story about that. Hang on. And also makes a cameo appearance in the film as a colleague of Charlie's. Okay, so what's your funny story? So I... I, I, I Words, David. So I, I listen from time to time to the Fighter Pilot Podcast, which is a podcast done by now retired, uh, you know, naval uh, aviators like uh, Hornet mm -hmm. pilots, and uh, they've done some some interviews with people from Top Gun, and I think uh, the host Vincent uh, Aiello, he he is a Top Gun graduate himself, but uh, they they actually interviewed Viper, mm -hmm. and they were talking about call signs, and uh, the first thing you need to know about call signs is they are nothing like you see in Top Gun. Nobody gets cool call signs like Maverick, Iceman, Viper. You know, no, those do not exist. You, you get a call sign because you screwed up. Okay. That, that's the number one choice. It's to remind you of something you messed up on, and you generally don't get another call sign unless you screw up even more. Oh, wow. Okay. Sometimes you might get lucky, and it'll be a play on words on your name or some mm -hmm. funny little pop culture reference from the time. But yeah, nobody gets to pick their call signs. They're all issued based on stuff you've done. And yeah, most of the time they tend to be uh, not very flattering. So, okay. so Viper, that was not his call sign, but when he got to his squadron on the ship, 
he noticed that someone leaving had the call sign Viper. And he's like, that's a nice call sign. So he just went around telling everyone that was his call sign. And actually, <laughs> like, that was his call sign. And he actually managed to get it stuck, get it to stick. That's awesome. Until, of course, eventually someone, you know, figured it out. And then his calls, he had a call sign review board and he is now known as Diaper, as last I have information. <laughs> that's a hysterical. Yeah. All right. So the plot is as such as it is with this movie. U.S. United States Naval Aviator Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell and his radar intercept officer, uh, Lieutenant LTGJ Nick Goose Bradshaw, are stationed aboard the USS Enterprise, from which they fly the F-14A Tomcat. During an interception with two hostile MiG-28 aircraft portrayed by USN F-5s, uh, Maverick gets missile lock on one while the other hostile aircraft locks on the Maverick's wingman Cougar. While Maverick drives off the remaining MiG-28, Cougar is too shaken to land, and Maverick, defying orders, shepherds him back to the carrier. Cougar gives up his wings, citing his newborn child that he's never seen. CAG Stinger sends Maverick and Goose to attend Top Gun, the Naval Fighter Weapons School at Naval Air Station Miramar. At the bar, the day before Top Gun starts, Maverick, assisted by Goose, unsuccessfully approaches a woman. Maverick learns the next day that she is Charlotte Charlie Blackwood, an astrophysicist and civilian Top Gun instructor. Charlie later becomes interested in Maverick upon learning of his inverted maneuver with the MiG-28, which disproves U.S. intelligence on the enemy aircraft's performance. During Maverick's first training hop, he defeats instructor LCDR Rick Jester Heatherly, but through reckless flying, breaks a major rule <clears throat> of engagement, immediately followed by a second by, second by flying by the control tower, buzzing it at top speeds, and is reprimanded by Chief Instructor CDR Mike Viper Metcalf. That's yeah, Commander CDR. Commander, sorry. Privately, Jester confides that he admires Maverick's skills, but doesn't know if he would trust him as a teammate in combat. Maverick also becomes a rival to top student, L uh, Lieutenant Tom Iceman Kazansky, who considers Maverick's attitude foolish and his flying dangerous. I am dangerous. As Maverick's tendency to abandon his team and pursue reckless objectives make him unsafe to fly with. In class, Charlie also objects to Maverick's aggressive tactics, but privately admits to him that she admires his flying and omitted hit it from her report to hide her feelings for him. The two begin a romantic relationship, because of course they do. During another training hop, Hop 19, Maverick abandons his wingman Hollywood to chase Viper. Viper admits he is impressed with his flying abilities, but Maverick is defeated when Viper maneuvers Maverick into a position from which his wingman Jester can shoot down. Maverick from behind, demonstrating the value of teamwork over individual prowess. Yep. There's your lesson, everyone. Jester publicly tells Maverick that his flying is excellent, but he should never leave his wingman. Maverick and Iceman now direct competitors for the Top Gun Trophy, chase an A4 in a later training engagement, Hop 31, since part of the scoring in every flight is the course, in the course is the time taken for every dogfight to conclude. And after noticing that Iceman is pulling time during his chase after the A4 so that his total score is the course in the course will remain higher than Maverick's, Maverick pressures Iceman to break off his engagement with the A4. They are both chasing so they can shoot it down himself. But Maverick's F-14 flies through the jet wash of Iceman's aircraft and, and suffers a flameout of both engines going into an unrecoverable flat spin. Maverick and Goose eject, but Goose hits the jettisoned aircraft canopy headfirst and is killed. Though, although the Board of Inquiry clears Maverick of responsibility for Goose's death, he is overcome by guilt and his flying skills diminish. Charlie and others attempt to console him, but Maverick considers retiring. He seeks advice from Viper, who reveals that he served with Maverick's father, Duke Mitchell, on the USS Erskine and was in the Vietnam War era battle in which Mitchell was killed. 
Contrary to official reports, which faulted Mitchell, Viper reveals classified information that proves Mitchell died heroically and informs Maverick that he, he can succeed if he can regain his self-confidence. Maverick chooses to graduate, although Iceman wins the Top Gun trophy. During the graduation party, Viper and Jester call in the newly graduated aviators with the orders to deploy. Iceman, Hollywood, and Maverick are ordered to immediately return to the Enterprise to deal with a crisis situation, providing air support to rescue the USS Layton, a disabled communication ship that has drifted into hostile waters. Maverick and Merlin, Kurger's former RIO, are assigned yeah, as it's backup. pronounced Rio, actually. Okay. Yeah. Rio. His name is Rio, Ronnie James yep. Dio, are assigned as backup for the F-14s flown by Iceman and Hollywood, despite Iceman's reservation over Maverick's state of mind. The subsequent hostile engagement with six MiGs sees Hollywood shot down. Maverick is scrambled alone due to a catapult failure and nearly retreats after encountering circumstances similar to those that caused Goose's death. Upon finally rejoining Iceman, the two are still badly outnumbered, but Maverick vocally refuses to leave Iceman without a wingman and manages to shoot down three MiGs. Iceman, shifting to offense, also shoots one down, which forces the other two to flee. Upon their triumphant return to Enterprise, Iceman and Maverick share newfound respect for each other, and Maverick throws Goose's dog tags overboard having come to terms with himself and his friend's death. Offered any assignment he chooses, Maverick decides to return to Top Gun as an instructor. At a bar in Miramar, Maverick and Charlie reunite. All right. So let's talk about this movie, David. Um, I'm going to give you... We can go back and forth. Uh, I am definitely going to be taking sort of the negative view of this movie, and, and you can counter what I'm saying. We don't have to necessarily wait for the other one to finish. I think my, my biggest issue with this movie is that it's half a good movie. Like, obviously, and I, and, I know, and I know what happened here. They probably wrote the original draft, and it was just military focus, and there was probably not a tremendous amount of, like, focus on the romance. And then, it was, and then, like, they looked at this, and they were like, there is nothing human about this script. There's nothing to appeal to general audiences. Either you like watching dogfights or you don't, and that is not a recipe for a successful movie. And I guarantee you, in the rewrite, they opt the stuff with Tom Cruise and Kelly McGinnis, and it's Tom Cruise is a good actor, obviously. Kelly McGinnis is a good actor. It's not that they didn't have sexual chemistry, but nothing that goes on between them is particularly interesting. Their romance lacks, in my opinion, any kind of on-screen sizzle, um, any real emotional depth or resonance. It's just boring. And it's half the movie. And it causes the pacing of the movie to be wildly all over the place. So when the when there's flying happening, when there's stuff with the military, that's the best stuff in the movie. And it's great. And I agree with everybody on planet Earth who's seen this movie that, yeah, Top Gun is cool. Now, give me the edit where Kelly McGinnis isn't in this anymore. She's just in the classroom scene. And that's all you ever see. Like, oh, take out Berlin and every time it plays. <laughs> it's like Wonder Woman's theme in Justice League. Think yeah, I as I say, uh, it's a great movie, but it was made for the next chapter button. Every time you start to hear Take My Breath Away, hit the next chapter. Yeah. Take out all the stuff with Tom Cruise and Kelly McGinnis, maybe after the first initial bar scene, because I think setting, you know, setting that up is fine. But the rest of it's just boring and flat and it feels compulsory. Like it like it had to be there. So they're like, just film the scenes, the actor's natural charisma will carry us and it'll be fine. And it's like, nope, you have to put some effort into this stuff or your whole movie falls apart. And so it's a very uneven uh, drag of a movie at times. I wanted to comment real quick 
on the use of Berlin's "Take My Breath Away." It's great. I love that song. I I, I love Berlin in general, but "Take My Breath Away" "Take My Breath Away" is a great song, and it does match. It's probably the only thing that adds flavor to the romance scenes. Here's my problem. I made the joke about like Wonder Woman's theme. It is all over the movie. It's like, and it's like Kelly McGinnis can't walk to take a piss without hearing Berlin's take my breath away. Enough already. Play it once. Once. Have them have sex to it. And then we're done with Berlin. Unless they're going, you know, to, uh, unless they're going on the Metro. <laughs> okay. I'm <laughs> stop already. They used it way too much. And then they would only use part of the song. Like it got ridiculous after a while. It was really distracting. Um, so I'm going to give you a chance. So I talked about pacing. I talked about the, the romance scenes not being great and the unevenness of the film. Your witness. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> my, 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 All right. Good night, everybody. Yeah, yeah, there we go. But the, the, the two reasons I can think of that is one, yeah, it could have been a production note. You know, we need, we need, we need a romance story for all the girlfriends and significant mm -hmm. others are going to be dragged out to this thing. Cause of course women can't like movies about airplanes. No, uh, but the, the only other thing I can think of is like, it is really expensive to fly these jets. Sure. Like it costs like thousands of dollars an hour for like one F-14, probably mm -hmm. even close to $10,000 or more an hour. So real quick, in 1986 money, the budget on this was $15 million, which I think it's a little higher than the average was at that time. It certainly wasn't $100 million. Uh, $50 million is a good, still a good chunk of change. By the way, wildly successful, $357 million yeah. in worldwide gross. Yeah. Now the Navy will be a bit generous and uh, if they like you, they will try and see if they can get you the shot you want doing something they would be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. But, but if you say, I want you to specifically to do this, this, and this, and they have to specifically go do that, the studio has to pay for it. The American taxpayer does not. Right. So maybe buzzing the tower. Movie. Yeah. You know? That kind of thing. So like, like maybe like they were on their way back to bases. Like, could you, could you do a flyway of the tower? Like, ah, sure. It's not going to cost us any more money to do that. Right. Just set up the cameras and there you go. So, Maybe they just didn't have it in their budget to do any more flying stuff than they did. Mm -hmm. So, like, okay, we've only got half a movie here with this footage. Right. We need we need something to pad out the script. And well, you know, romance is cheap. Yep. So that that could have been. I I don't know specifically. I haven't actually gone too much into the behind the scenes making of mm -hmm. the film, but certainly that that could be part of it. But yeah, like I I agree. The the romance stuff is forgettable. Not really that interesting. I mean, singing, you've lost that loving feeling is is iconic. That. That sure. scene. And, you know, as creepy as it is, him, Maverick, following her into the washroom, that probably has a bit of... Uh, Boy, has that not held up over the years. Yeah, that is, it, it is not held up. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, whoo! Oh, boy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that was even that good to do back then, but someone thought that was a good idea. You know, somewhere over the, somewhere over the course of 20 to 30 years, men's determination to woo women has been looked upon poorly and yeah. has been framed in not so great ways and so but back then that was considered masculine that is what you did as a man trying to uh uh pursue a woman you you literally pursued them maybe even into the women's room one never knows it's kind of romantic yeah i still think that's a pretty, a pretty rare one but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that, that they weren't going for creepy with that, but uh, no. yeah, that that scene has not aged well. But it is no. it is a memorable scene. Oh let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah, but yeah, like every everything about this movie, it's if you are into jets and military aviation, this this mm -hmm. is your jam. It doesn't get any better than this, at least not till Friday. We hope. <laughs> and heard nothing but good things about Maverick. So 
Yeah, same, same here. Mm-hmm. But you know, like it, it's you know all movies are shot like that. That like there's been many many imitations of Top Gun, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's ever really been been equaled that much. Like it it, it had you know the, the story works the. The scenes are fantastic. Them flying, the way they shoot the actors in the cockpits is so. Your major sense of this movie is that, sure, it's flawed, but its positives outweigh its negatives in the net total. Yeah, like I can't think of any other movie that does this as good as it does. Mm-hmm. Like this is the gold standard. I mean, sorry, Iron Eagle, like you're great in your own crazy way, but uh, it's it just doesn't quite work. This like and and the pop culture effects of this film have just reverberated oh yeah over a long time like you can like you can still quote this movie like mm-hmm. you know in fact if you go to actual top gun there is a 20 dollar fine every time you quote a line from the movie top gun <laughs> you know, i feel the need shut up <laughs> no you're you're buying you're buying the drinks that night if, <laughs> if, you, if you say that yeah um like like naval recruitment jumped up 500 percent after the yeah. movie hit theaters you know, mm-hmm. even navy now they still watch it on carriers they have like some code word for you know which room they're they're, they're showing top gun in so you know the people like for all of its it's over the topness and craziness and inaccuracy it is still beloved by the people that do that do the actual job right i wonder how many of them like just utterly tune out though when they're not flying Oh, I'm, I'm I'm sure that if if the the actual pilots were watching this movie, well, I'm sure like they, everyone's seen Top Gun before joining up, you know, they they would be picking it apart relentlessly. Mm-hmm. The peanut gallery is alive and well in aviation. Well, I, I just like I said, when they're when they're dealing with the military stuff, when they're, not even just when they're flying, but even like you know Maverick getting chewed out in the office for for being reckless. Um, there's there's a handful of scenes in the locker room where him and Val Kilmer go head to head. The locker room is completely unrealistic. They don't all sh- shower together in the locker room. That was okay. a, that was that was something made for uh, ease of storytelling. Um, but I mean, there there's a great there's great tension. There's more sexual tension between Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise than there is between Kelly McGinnis and Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, I think there's more t- sexual tension between all of the fighter pilot characters than between <laughs> any of the men and women in the movie. Oi, um, poor Mick Ryan. But um, yeah, I, I like so. There's some stuff in the locker room where they're like, "You're dangerous," and he's like, "Yeah, I am dangerous." Alrighty. Um, there's a handful of scenes of him being chewed out in an office. There's the classroom scene, and of course, the volleyball scene. Yeah, I, I knew we had to get there. <laughs> I remember so uh, tr- let me uh, be honest here I had never seen Top Gun before last year in my life okay never ever ever um, I wasn't interested I didn't care I knew it was a cultural touchstone I, I obviously knew of like you know I need I feel the need the need for speed was in that you know highway to a danger mm-hmm. zone is from that I didn't realize that Berlin's take my breath away was from Top Gun or that apparently any awards this thing was nominated and or won for was all having to do with soundtracks and special effects. It doesn't have a none of it, soundtrack. None of it for acting. <laughs> none of it for story. None of it for anything, you know, like that would relate to like the main part of the picture. It's all special effects and all soundtrack, which I think is hysterical. Um, so like I said, you could you can't get away from Top Gun in the culture, but by the same token, it wasn't something that interested me personally. So I never watched it. 
and mm-hmm. it never had a sequel. It didn't spawn a franchise. It didn't, they didn't produce a television show. There was no cartoon. There were no toys. I had no way of relating to this movie, and I don't particularly care about airplanes. So I just, I just that's not the kid that I was. Um, so I just never watched Top Gun. I watched it for the first time last summer. They did a five dollar uh, showing at our, our theater, and right. I went by myself. I, I left my, my, my kids were not interested, and after having seen the movie, I was like, oof. <laughs> they can skip this one. Like my, I'm, yeah. taking my, I'm taking my son to go see Maverick, but he does not need to see the original. Yeah, I, I agree with that. From, um, from what I understand of your kids. Yeah. So I remember thinking, of course, everyone, you know, like I'm like, I'm going to see Top Gun, and of course, everyone I, I say that to writes me back, like, yeah, that movie is so gay. I'm like, all right. So yeah, the locker room stuff, the volleyball stuff, but I mean, like. I don't even think when they were making the movie, like there was that thought. They was just like, no. "This is men. This is manly men being manly on screen." Yeah. yeah, it's a very change in the cultural perception. Yeah, I agree. Right back then, it was like, "Look at all these tough, you know, in fit guys playing volleyball and being right. awesome." And and now it's just like, "Oh, that's so gay." Yeah. Well, it was like when uh, Vladimir Putin when he like did that, mm-hmm. the, oh, that the photo <laughs> shoot where he, he's wearing <laughs> he's wearing wars. yeah yeah he, he's wearing the combat. Mm-hmm. pants and nothing nothing on not on the top and uh, right and it was like oh geez this is so gay and it's like no like he's he's trying to look strong and tough that's right. the image he's betraying and that's probably how it's being taken i didn't ask around in russia what they thought of it but <laughs> it's it just you know the that image has totally shifted in our mm-hmm. yeah. in our culture where it unless is- you're like uh, chris hemsworth or or chris uh, evans you or know henry cavill or henry cavill you know being shirtless and oily that's that's now considered right. gay it, it is just let's just take a minute to, to acknowledge that like that change in the culture like you say it and it's almost like you're taken as red like yeah of course the, the change in the culture but i mean when you really think about it like what all had to happen for us to get to that point you know we talk about this in our group chat, and I don't know how you feel about it because you, you tend mm-hmm. to have lost your patience with some of our people and don't engage with them anymore, um, which is your right, and I don't blame you. But there is a conversation that comes up about d- the diminishment, the marginalization of traditional masculinity. Yeah. And um, so you can take, take a movie like Top Gun, and here they are showing s- muscled men doing manly things. And that is, you know, that's why it works as a recruitment video. That is why people were wanting to go see this movie, at least in part, was like, look, let's look at men do men stuff. And, you know, here we are in 2022. And the same men stuff is when, you know, when we say it's gay. What what are we really saying? We're we're saying not that it is attractive to homosexuals. I'm sure some think it's fantastic. But, you know, any whatever you're attracted to, if you see it on screen, is going to be fantastic. That goes without saying. Yeah, I think it's like the the sexualization of men is viewed as a gay thing because apparently we don't right. consider that women might actually be watching, too. Right. It, it's so funny you say it that well, way. It's like, like, you know, if, 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 like, like when, when you see Megan Fox open up the car hood and Michael mm-hmm. Bay just basically fucks her with the camera, yeah. they go, this is so lesbian. That's called the male gaze, Dave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah but you're right. No, no one yeah. says that's so that's so lesbian. No one says that's so gay. But I mean, like the word gay, right? It obviously is a colloquial term for homosexuals, but it's also yeah. an insult. And it's an insult to say someone is not masculine. 
someone is someone is not portraying the traditional um, elements of masculinity. So like mm-hmm. you're drinking with your friends and, yeah. you know, and one friend decides he's not going to drink that like, well, okay, faggot, you know, you're yeah. being gay. And that has nothing to do with his sexuality. It's you're not being, a, you're not being masculine. You're not being a man. You're, you're, you're not, not meeting being... these stereotypical criteria for right. you know, what is considered to be manly and, or a man. Yeah. And it's, and so now evolve and evolve and evolve. And here we are, you know, 40 years later, and we look at the same material that is that is men doing men stuff, and we're like, this is I don't know. I you say it's gay that and, and we say we just use you know gay as a pejorative for not manly, like men doing men stuff is not manly. Is that where we are in the culture? So we're really, really like a circular thing to say, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a bit strange because well, I think they, they don't make stuff like that anymore for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, like maybe I, again, I could think of like Chris, Chris Evans, Captain America. Like he, right. he was sort of allowed to be that sort of traditional strong man, strong right. man type. But yeah, I, I like it's not everywhere, but it certainly it is a noticeable thing where you do have this, these sort of films where like the men are starting to portray being portrayed as overly emotional, dealing with trauma and right. ineffective, and they need whatever you know, woman who is in a position of authority to come in and fix whatever they screw up. If this, if fight, if flying fighter jets, if wearing a military uniform, if pursuing a woman, um, consensually, if you know having sex, this is bad. You should see Firebirds, which is basically Top Gun with Nick Cage and helicopters. Okay, which is actually pretty awesome. If um, you know, playing sports, shirtless or otherwise, is not masculine, is not manly, then what is? Like, what is masculine in twenty twenty two? And I and I think because there's such a political, social desire to minimize masculinity for whatever ulterior motives there are, that no one can answer that question anymore. Yeah, and yeah, it's sort of become a taboo subject. What is masculine? Mm-hmm. What is feminine? We don't want to right. talk about those things any. Well, some that there are those that don't want to talk about those things, mm-hmm. which is really sad because what is art if not the exploration of what it is to be human? Right. And so, and then the other side of it is you have the phrase toxic masculinity. Yeah. So everything I just said, someone would, you know, if we have somebody from, you know, academia who would come into this podcast, we're like, well, all of those things are toxic masculinity. Pursuing her into the bathroom, right? Not the best example, but, you know, shirtless volleyball. Yeah. (laughs) You got me there, copper. Um, You know, but like shirtless volleyball, it's toxic. You know, fighter jets, military, war, aggression all toxic masculinity and i'm like what do the vast majority of women want men to be then <laughs> like just you know hairy women i don't like what do you want from a what do you want from us women yeah I, I have noticed the the opinion foisted uh that, that it is that that the, this sort of yeah the toxic masculinity call mm-hmm. it the feminist movement, whatever, where they say we want we want mm-hmm. men to be more caring and sensitive and stylish and effeminate. And then you know, why can't we get any men that we like? And the, the <laughs> sort of idea that somewhere in the, in like the back of back of our brains, it's like the manly man is is the man yeah. that women want. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That's mm-hmm. that's a whole other podcast. But yeah, but that really well, is I, an aspect of things. I think there is sort of with the pendulum swimming somewhat back in the other direction is well, we don't want you to be women. 
but could you be less jerks? <laughs> like, is there yeah. not a middle ground? Yeah, I think there's where... a bit, yeah. Personally, I think there's a bit of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, shall we say, with that. That is very true. So back to Top Gun. Yes, back to Top Gun. This is a much deeper discussion than we thought we would be on discussing Top Gun. But I needed to kill at least ten minutes for TikTok. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about Kelly McGinnis's teeth. Okay. <laughs> I did not feature, notice this. They feature prominently in this film. There's a okay. lot of close-ups. This is one of my criticisms of the craft. The the principal photography in this movie is great with the military stuff. But part yep. of my issue with, I think, with the romance things is it's so weirdly shot. They were obsessed with close-ups of Kelly McGinnis's face. I mean, it looks like freaking this, man. I'm Kelly McGinnis. <laughs> you know? Like, it's ridiculous. I And it was, like, really, like, made me uncomfortable. I remember the first time I watched this, and I'm like, and they kept, like, you know, close up of her face. She's perfectly framed. And because she's got these big white teeth, and she's smiling big, and she's so pretty, it's just like, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, my God. Put your teeth away, madam. And they don't do that with anybody else in this movie. Like, even when they do a close up of Tom Cruise's face, it's not like he's, it doesn't feel like he's coming at you like Max Headroom or Master Control from Tron. Like yeah. his head isn't giant on screen. I, it was a weird, like, how do you watch the dailies and not see what I saw? I'm just a film snob. You know, I'm just, I'm just an amateur guy watching films and talks about it on a podcast. If I'm picking that up, how did you miss this watching dailies? I ask you, David, how could you miss it? Well, in all honesty, I had not thought of that until you mentioned it. But I'm right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can tell you every time I watch Top Gun from now on, I'm going to be looking for it and I'll probably see it. So thanks for that, Mark. That's what I'm here for. Granted, I tend to skip most of the scenes with Kelly McGinnis anyway. <laughs> do, you, do you just have a, like a Top Gun edit at home? It's just like none of the romance stuff. It's just all highway to a danger zone. No, but that that that's kind of how, how the film works, works best. Mm -hmm. All right. So let me kick it over to you. What else about this movie would you say in defense of it to someone like me who's struggling with it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it, it is basically a sports movie. They've just yeah. sort of subbed out the big game with fighter jets doing dogfights, yeah. uh, which is fine. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like all the like the, yeah the whole locker room antics again. They they don't have a locker room. They don't like get mm -hmm. the showers after they go up. I mean, they they shower at some point, but mm -hmm. but yeah, you just you know you, you get back in your flight suit and you go and you debrief a lot. Yeah. Debrief as in like be talk about the flight, not as in removing right. clothing. Yeah. Um, I had to make sure, given the content of this conversation, I was clear on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That there is no Top Gun trophy. That was what the Navy fought against, tooth and nail, to have removed from the film. Everything else, they're like, we can live with this, but this is the one thing where no, that there is no Top Gun trophy. There is no competition. It's past fail. Everyone's in it together. Like gotcha. that's that, that's it. Because hey, for, for the exact reasons as. Yeah, uh, so yeah, and you that's don't do it that way. There's no drama in this film other than him dealing with the guilt of killing Goose. Yeah, because yeah, if they did have a Top Gun trophy with the way that fighter pilot personalities work, the movie would have basically happened. Like they would have killed each other trying to get that trophy. <laughs> and, and and that's that's not a good strategy. So no. <laughs> yeah, Why like, is the budget skyrocketing? This is we keep killing a lot of pilots. Like yeah, and, okay. and, and yeah, and a fighter pilot is an expensive thing to train. <laughs> 
Sure. And, and and the thing about Top Gun, this isn't basic training. This is advanced training. This is like going for your mm -hmm. masters. Where so all these pilots are already experienced pilots by the time they go mm -hmm. to Top Gun. So yeah, that's a lot of money you'd be burning. But that that's more again getting into like the how this differs from reality. But I just think it's that kind of it's 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 like the perfect type of '80s cheese, like from the soundtrack to the dialogue to mm -hmm. the ridiculous story, the synths that pops in at times. And and yeah, it's you, you don't see many many movies like it, and I think that's kind of what yeah. makes it very interesting. Is the it you is know, very the, one the, of the a kind in that sense. Yeah, the the field of aviation movies is already pretty small, yeah. and the field of like modern fighter jet movies is incredibly tiny. Well, it, okay, so we're just having sort of a general conversation now. Yeah. I think I've made my prosecution pretty clear, yeah. but um, one like the. I think um, I tell you, talking about awards and, and whatnot, nominations, the stuff with the, with the dog fighting apparently is like universally acclaimed as some of the, the best filming of such things in the history of film, which yeah. I think is pretty incredible. And I, and I remember watching it. I watched it um, over the course of the last day or so on, on Netflix. And then I, you know, like I said, I watched it for the first time last summer and I was pretty amazed. Like, you know, movies is magic, as they say. And so sometimes you wonder, like, how do they get that shot? Yeah, I know no, they did do some model work. Like sometimes when you see the missile flying right. off the rails, that's a model with a basic model rocket mm -hmm. off it. They actually got in trouble because the Navy said we only cleared you to fire one missile for filming. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Like, you know, if it's done well, it's like it's kind of like the, the trench run in Star Wars where yeah. they did that all with models. But occasionally they'd have to, you know, cut to a close-up of Luke Skywalker. And yeah. so that's all, that's all the stuff that has to be filmed. And, you know, 77, 86... You you have some special effects, but you certainly don't have computer generated imagery. Do these no, I think there, there, shots? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some compositing done, like when they do the whole, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, in, insulter scene uh, where uh, where you know, like Maverick's flying inverted over the MIG, and they're like canopy mm -hmm. to canopy. You know, they would not have done that in real life. They would not have allowed those planes to get that close together. That would have been way too dangerous, even if it's done as part of a stunt with you know, the best mm -hmm. pilots they had. So that was sure. probably, they, they filmed, they filmed the, the Tomcat inverted and then the MIG, you know, flying right way up. And then they just probably right. sandwiched the two together. But, but, but yeah, I overall, just, there were a lot of practical effects. Yeah. I wanted to just point out that if nothing else, I can appreciate the principal photography in this thing and the action sequences. Those are all really well done. The last thing I want to mention, and I'll give you the final word and we'll be done with this. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise at his most cheeky. <laughs> Tom, yeah, like, like, I'm not sure if this, was, was this Tom Cruise's breakout role, or was he already kind of a name by then? I oh gosh, let me. It's certainly it's certainly one of his more famous roles. Oh yeah, it's, it's besides this admission of impossible. Um, but I'm trying to figure out like where where this was in relation to like cocktail, because that's the other one yeah. I was thinking about. I mean, someone um, once made the joke that a lot of the films that he made around that time were pretty much the same plot line as Cocktail. You know, Cocktail, <laughs> a, a young hotshot, uh, what do they call that? You know, bartender, you know, drink mixer, you know. Oh, um, shown the, Yeah, Mixology is, is like shown the ropes by a more more experienced you know, mentor and Days of Thunder, a young hotshot race car driver shown the ropes by a more experienced mentor. And So here's what uh, he's been in up to. Cool, but yeah. So he starts in the 81 with Endless Love, then he does Taps, then he does The Outsiders, then Losing It, and I think Risky Business in 1983 yeah, is right. the one everyone remembers him in. Yeah, that might be sort of his first one that became 
notice because I I don't I don't know yeah. any of those other films. Right, and then he's in All the Right Moves, which I believe is another sports movie. Then he's in Legend, and then Top Gun, and after Top Gun is The Color of Money, and then Cocktail. So again, with the possible exception of Risky Business, I feel like Top Gun is tom cruise at the, that time and of course this will change over time but at that point this might have been his most i said i use the word cheeky uh his yeah. most flirty like there's a lot of like hey babe yeah you know there's a lot of that going on in this movie like to the point where the second time i watched it i was like i'm a little uncomfortable now <laughs> yeah. like like we just had the whole like 20 minute conversation about toxic masculinity there's a bit of like trippy smarminess with, with him and it's like i get like where they were trying to go for genuine with him and they were trying to you know like again this is 1986 and that's supposed to be a manly man you know a, you know a, a woman's man you know he's uh he's projecting confidence and he's got a swagger about him he's a dangerous fighter yeah. pilot it comes across as a little seedy at times. Yeah. Well, like, at least really change over time. Like think of like I don't know, like a Jane Austen movie with how mm -hmm. how dating works in those where it's all this sort of coy flirting and chaperoning mm -hmm. and back and forth. And like you know, we would we would go crazy if we had to do that these days. And then, then yeah, you had the more yeah by today's yeah. these. You know, can, you imagine yeah, sending, can you imagine during Jane Austen's time sending a dick pic? Yeah, I, 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 could, I could not. Uh, I, I almost want to. artist. Yeah, get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an ordeal. Yeah, and, and then, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. when you get to Top Gun, it looks a bit more, by modern standards, a bit forced, like uh, unconsensual-esque. And, of course, yeah. now now it's just, you know, if, if you do anything other than swipe right, you're, you're pretty much a, a sexual yeah. predator. But, That's again, funny. like, Times change, right? So talking to people about dating apps and whatnot and um, looking at like women's profiles and so many of them are like, please start a conversation. Here's a thought. Have a conversation mm -hmm. because the other side of this is, is I've heard people talk about like guys like, hi, hi. And the next thing they the next thing they do is dick pic. And it's like, I. I'm not saying we would have never have gotten there, but please could maybe ask what my favorite movie is first. Yeah, like I, I, I kind of found my wife just kind of when Tinder was becoming a thing, so I never mm -hmm. really got into that. Yeah, that that sort of level of online dating thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say uh, just spitballing here. If, yeah, if you want a guy to start a conversation with you, give him a lot of stuff to work with. What movies do you like? What books do you like? If you read books, yeah. sports, yeah. Give him something where he can say, like, oh, hey, you like this thing. I like this thing too. And you know, mm -hmm. if, if you just, if, if it's just like, I like dogs, well, even that would be a lot. But, but hey, I, I do want to spend just a minute on this because, yeah. you know, we're talking about Tom Cruise in this movie and Kelly McGinnis and he, he hits on her at a bar. Yeah. Hey, let's walk through this. He yep. hits on her at a bar. He talks to her at a bar. She then leaves to go back to her date or wherever it is she's with at the bar. And he's and then he's like, oh, struck out. And then yep. he goes to class the next day, and it turns out the girl that he struck out with is the instructor. Yikes. Yeah. Um, and then there's still a bit of, like, contentious flirting there. Like, I'm not yep. going to listen to you, teacher. That kind of thing in the classroom. Um, and I can't remember how we got to them finally getting together. Like, you know, oh, I remember I know, there, was a, there was an elevator scene too that would be yeah. a bit <laughs> right. Not, and I think not, that same not, night, I, I skipped the bathroom thing, but yeah. he does. He does walk. It does at, during the bar scene, walk into the bathroom with her. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I think it was she chewed when he when she chewed him out when they were doing the debriefing for the mm -hmm. 
the the one where he yeah I, I forget which flight it was but anyway yeah she, she's chewing him out and he chases her down like i was right i won why did you chew me out and she's like because i can't admit that i've fallen for you or yeah something like that and then they go back to her place for the for the sex scene so think about like that and now think about like modern dating like that does that even happen anymore do men <laughs> can a man approach a woman at a bar and it not turn into a hate crime? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not sure. I work. Yeah, I, I, I haven't, I haven't really been there in a long time. I just, it made me laugh. It's, 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 it's like watching a movie from like a hundred years ago. Ooh, it's a Model T. You know, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those. That's cool. Yeah. Well, well um, another thing about this film that really did, like, we talk about the stars in terms of like mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Meg Ryan, and whatnot, Anthony but uh, Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Like the, the F-14 Tomcat was also a breakout star here. Like that plane has a huge following. Mm-hmm. People just love it. Did you ever play Afterburner as a kid? Uh, not so much. I, I, I knew of it. I actually, okay. I, I bought like the old, they, they actually made a PC flight sim Top Gun game mm-hmm. back in the 90s. I think it was called Top Gun Fire at Will or something. It was a somewhat altered version of it, but it was basically Maverick goes to Top mm-hmm. Gun. I think now with Merlin as his... As is Rio, because they weren't doing the goose thing, but uh, and you ha- you'd have to like do do missions. I remember I got I, I I couldn't get past the fifth mission. It was it was too tough for me at the time. But all right, but yeah, I, yeah. Like when I was a kid, like yeah, I, I loved the F fourteen. I read books about it, and you know, it, it's just it's a cool plane. Is the F fourteen been mothballed since then, or is it still in uh, in operation? Yeah, it's it's been struck for serve from service. Uh, well, it's it's been retired because like it, it just mm-hmm. you get old, and, and Navy planes, especially being out at sea in the salt water, it kind of gets into things. Mm-hmm. There's lots of corrosion and so on, and just times have changed with how air warfare is is uh, fought. Like when the Soviet Union fell, it stopped being big nuclear wars and mass fleet, and became more smaller mm-hmm. proxy wars. You know, Middle East, that sort of thing, where you didn't need. Yeah. A dedicated fleet interceptor like that and again yeah, now I think, are, like, I think like bombers are more in use or helicopters yeah. well they kind like, of switched, what, we yeah. what exactly are we doing these days with jets you know yeah well they switch more to like multi-role fighters like the f-18 hornet where they can sort of almost equally drop bombs or fight air to air but mm-hmm. yeah we haven't really yet had a like good solid air war with uh i think the te- the term is like peer or near peer adversaries mm-hmm where it's, it's usually an Air Force flying last previous generation Soviet era jets that just the modern stuff just steamrolls over. Um, well, but, Dave, uh, you, wanted to be, you wanted to be here. Any last yeah. words? Yeah. Well, just to finish up with the F-14s, Iran actually does okay. still have F-14s. They, they bought okay. some from, from the U.S. before uh, the revolution. And mm-hmm. that, makes, that makes the F-14 world a bit interesting getting information because they're still, they're still a little... Uh, wary of intelligence getting out to to iran or them getting parts and information which is kind of interesting but uh yeah like i'm not going to sit here and pretend that top gun is a perfect movie and a shining example of cinema as an art form it's you're not going to throw yourself on the floor and demand that i appreciate this and then say that you're i don't know no. chris is so good i don't want to i don't want to beat him up but <laughs> you're not going to sit there like this was the thing i liked when i was seven and therefore it's the best yeah, it, it's not for everyone, but yeah, if if you like aviation, especially military aviation, especially naval aviation, this this is the movie for you. Like I say, mm-hmm. even the Navy people who are in the Navy, people who know all the things that are wrong with this movie, still have a soft spot for it, as near as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And like I say, you 
there aren't many films like it, and I don't think any other film I've seen in that genre has ever really stood up to it mm-hmm. in comparison. It, it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings of fighter pilot movies. All right. The Lord of the Rings of fighter pilot. We put it on a box. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our um, our prosecution and defense of Top Gun. A little late tonight. Uh, I was busy. You were busy. So, But we got it done, and it'll be up tomorrow at some point. Uh, if you're watching this, it's already up to... Um, tomorrow at nine o'clock sharp, David and Melissa, David Wright and Melissa Rattledge will be joining me to talk Downton Abbey 2, A New Era. A movie with no airplanes whatsoever. Not a single one. Um, <laughs> uh, on Wednesday, there'll be uh, an unspoken issues called Extreme Justice Zero, according to Jesse. And then the Metal Hammer of Doom will be reviewing Watain, the agony and ecstasy of Watain. Uh, on Thursday, the Four Kings of Boxing will have. Uh, we'll look at uh, Sugar Ray Leonard versus Tommy Hearns 2, the sequel even. So that's what we got going on there. And then um, on Friday, there'll be a source material. Uh, Jesse will be dropping mad balls. And then myself, Christine, and Al Sedano, in theory, will be reviewing DMZ, which is based on a comic book. It's a four-episode uh, limited series on HBO Max from DC Comics. So check that out. And then, hey, Sci-Fi Month. Uh, wraps up here. We'll have a tripped up trivia. Our second ever sci-fi trivia will be airing on May 29th. Um, I'm a little behind on uh, putting up shows on our website, but currently available in podcast form or on um, audio player on YouTube is an Iron Eagle commentary I did a few years ago when I was in the hospital getting cancer treatment. Um, yep, I was still podcasting while I was in the hospital doing cancer treatment because I'm fucking dedicated. Um, but me and Pat Mullen did a alternative commentary for Iron Eagle that never made the W2M feed that we have now. So that was re-aired. And um, we also re-aired our review of The Jungle Book from 2016. So that was fun. I got to talk about how, you know, I took my kid there. And I always enjoy listening to stuff from 2015 and 2016 and rambling incessantly about taking my children to the movies at the time or to the drive-in or whatever. I think we had originally planned to do like a retrospective of all four Iron Eagle movies, but I guess that got lost in the shuffle. It it got cut for a number of reasons, not the least of which was some of them aren't even available for streaming. Yeah. You have to buy them on DVD. You know what also I have to buy on DVD? Because I keep telling people that they should watch this movie and then it's not available to stream anywhere. You have to buy it on DVD. Pool Hall Junkies. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. Jeez. Film industry, yeah. what's going on? You're Why can't we get content? Who owns the rights to pool hall junkies that we can't get to streamed anywhere? What the hell, man? Is it, you know, why why can't people see adult Ricky Schroeder try to, you know, beat somebody over the head with a pool cue? Anyway. Hopefully someday we'll be able to talk all the Iron Eagle movies, but not this day. Not today is not that day. All right. Anything else, David, before we go? Uh no, yeah, I think it's just Downton Abbey tomorrow. And I think that's it for, for May and me on this network. Yeah. We almost you- made it. How'd you feel being the star of May Days here on uh, the Rattlers Broadcasting Network? Busy, a little bit of pressure, but it's it's also been a lot of fun. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm still married, so. <laughs> you tell her like this is the last one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. Tomorrow is the last one, and then yeah, yeah I think I think I only have uh, Maverick for next month. Though I think we might be doing Lightyear and uh, Chip and Dale as well. Yes, Lightyear next and Chip, month? Chip and Dale were combined to make Alexis not kill herself because instead of watching Father of the Bride. Um, and also just, yeah, I, I needed to move some stuff around, um, something, what happened was everything everywhere all at once, the digital release got delayed again. 
So I yeah. had to move that around. And I was like, you know what? Alexis doesn't want to watch Father of the Bride. So we'll, re we'll combine these two. We'll combine these three. And it'll be fine. All right, folks. Uh, so that is it. I have to pee. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for joining us here on On Trial. He's David. I'm Mark. Be well, be safe, and behave.